Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, episode 671, I just wanted to uh, apologize to my co-host on this episode, Carl Alvarez from uh, the Inside Metal documentary series. Carl, so sorry, dude. Um, I know we recorded this probably like a month and a half ago, maybe even two months ago. I am so sorry it took me so long to put it together and get it up. It's just been absolutely hectic. Um, My life has spiraled a little out of control. And uh, yeah, Talking Metal's been busy, but work has even been more busy family and all that you know how it goes so anyways my my deepest apology that this is a a little dated at this point you'll hear us carl and i reference uh the easter holiday or it being april obviously it's uh almost june at this point so there you go might even be june by the time you guys are listening to it it's uh nonetheless a great episode and we play some great music and uh, share some great stories about hard rock and heavy metal the classic old stuff that we all love here on talking metal so stay tuned for that guys emily and i and possibly john astronomy i'm not sure about that will be traveling to nashville tennessee for the rock and pod expo it's going to be a great event i cannot wait to see you guys there a number of you have mentioned you're coming and it's all your favorite podcasts, Decibel Geek, Rock and Roll Geek Show, of course, Talking Metal, Talk To Me. There's going to be a bunch of us there, as well as some some rock stars and some cool dealers who are going to be selling vinyl and other things at the convention center. It's going to be awesome. I have three slots for guest spots on Talking Metal. We will record the episode while we're there in Nashville on August 26th. You can be a part of it. Uh, We've sold one of the three. I'm I'm a little surprised we haven't sold more than that at this point, but there's two more left. They're $75 each. It's a donation. doesn't go to me. It goes to the guys who are running the convention center. I'm totally doing this on my own dime. I just like what these guys are doing, and I want to support what they're doing, and I want to be there to hang out with you guys. So having said that, there's a GoFundMe page, which which is linked through the show notes uh, for today's episode, 671. If you go 
to TalkingMetal.com. Go into the show notes. You'll see it. It's GoFundMe, and it's for the Rock and Pod Expo. If you make a $75 pledge on that and you note that you're doing it for a guest spot on Talking Metal, you will record an episode with us in Nashville. And listen, even if you can't make it to Nashville, make the pledge there and we'll hook it up on Skype or something. How about that? It's only $75. Two slots left. Uh, Once you make that pledge, since I don't run that GoFundMe page, just drop me an email. Let me know that you did it. My email is mark at talkingmetal.com and we will uh, figure it out. Either we'll record it in Nashville or we'll do it uh, beforehand on Skype, all right? 75 bucks to support the Rock and Pod Expo and get a guest spot on Talking Metal. Of course, we talk about whatever you want to talk about. We play the music you want to play on that episode. There's also some other cool deals there um, that you can check out, some incentives, I guess they call them. And Chris from Decibel Geek has really spearheaded this whole thing, and a big hats off to him. Hopefully he'll come on the, the podcast soon. We can catch up with him. All right, so let's get into the episode right now. Remember to use our Amazon links to support what we do here. You can also use our PayPal tab to send us uh, a little donation. And one of the best things you can do is visit TalkingMetal.com and participate in the interaction there by using our comment section. Love to hear your comments on the episodes. Even if you, if you thought an episode sucked, you thought I was calling it in, let me know that. You think that we're doing some great interviews? Let me know that. You know, Cool. I just want to hear from you guys in the comment section on TalkingMetal.com. And we have news and all sorts of stuff going up. Every day there's updates on that site. Mitch LaFon's podcast is there. Metal Raps, Talking Rock, which I'm, I'm just about to relaunch it's been, I think, two years since two, three years since we've had a Talking Rock episode up. I've already got an interview in the can for that, so stay tuned. More Talking Rock stuff on the way. It's all there on my website, talkingmetal.com. Thanks so much, guys. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z.
Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. And once again, back for the, I guess, I'm thinking third or fourth time, Carl Alvarez from the Inside Metal documentary series. A great, great watch. If you haven't seen it, you can buy the DVDs. We'll have them linked through today's show notes. You can also watch it on Amazon Prime. Carl, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Mark, this evening, and I'm glad I'm here and talking with you, so it's a great pleasure. I will mention to the listeners that we just spent 10 minutes or so trying to get Skype working, and for reasons we won't go into right now, it's not working. So what I did was uh, just calling Carl on his cell phone, which is why his uh, connection isn't isn't crystal clear like it usually is. But I think it's good enough to, to do this. And what we're going to do tonight is talk about chance encounters. Carl sent me an email back a couple months back, and uh, actually back in January, and he just, it was filled with so much good stuff, and I said, you know, Carl, you have to come on and talk about this stuff. So I think this is his third time back talking about that email that you sent me with all this great stuff in it, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think your fourth time uh, on the podcast because the first time you came on more to hype the again the Inside Metal documentary series which is is just awesome and before we get into today's um, topic which is inspired by your email called Chance Encounters uh, any updates on Inside Metal since I spoke with you last how's how's the next edition coming along yeah it's coming along pretty good it's out of my hands right now and in with the editors who are really doing all the bells and whistles and all the fancy stuff that goes into a movie. So I would say we're progressing pretty good. Um, I think we're pretty much on track and having a release date in June, but that's TBA to be announced if that's the case. We're still kind of like probably 65% there to really kind of know, but it will, it will be released in two parts. We've kind of determined that now there's enough content to, to, to where we're kind of laying the groundwork as the previous editions with episode one, two, and three in two parts. So, um, and those will have separate release dates. So I anticipate the end of June, I'm not saying that's hard, um, but June and maybe a fall date for the second one. So, but details will be forthcoming. Cool. Cool. It's at some point I want to have a conversation with you, maybe, maybe offline off, not on the podcast, but uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with the, the, the distribution you've gotten for inside metal with, with, you know, uh, Amazon prime, you can stream it on there. You know, it was on, uh, access TV and, and besides the documentary itself being impressive, that's impressive just, uh, on, on itself. Um, you know, Eddie Trunk did the host raps when it aired on Access. I mean, these are major platforms you have gotten an independent documentary onto, and uh, I commend you on that. And also, I'm just curious. I mean, how, how, can you talk about how that actually happened? I mean, how, how do you get an independent documentary on on Access TV? Well, that's a good question, and it's probably more close to our executive producer that probably had more inroads into that uh, getting it on there now I'm, I'm not sure if they approached him or he approached them that's that's the big question right um, all I have to say is I'm happy it's on there yeah, yeah. and in fact they, they actually renewed uh, future episodes so what actually has been on is actually the first part of episode one which is the pioneers right um, I don't believe they've 
aired part two of that. They definitely haven't aired episode two, part one and two. So right. those are in the works. No dates yet set. Okay, good. Well, that's awesome because I I I love part you know the the first episode the the way the pioneers one, but I I really loved the uh, the the second one because I mean that was kind of my era of when I you know was into those bands and you know we've spoken about that before. But great news, and I hope yeah. that happens for you. Anyways, today's today's topic is um, <clears throat> chance encounters, and it's it's basically. Carl and I talking about different times that just by chance we ran into heavy metal gods and hard rock heroes, if you will. And we're going to talk about that. But first, let's get into a little music here on today's episode. I want to go way back to a band called Malice. This is Rockin' With You.
just heard was the band Malice with Rockin' with you. Carl, a big Malice fan? Oh yeah, I dug Malice. They had something going on in LA. They were kind of the the beginnings of the, the second wave, I should say, with the Armored Saints and the Black and Blues and a little bit after Motley Crue. But they kind of Nick Zane actually moved down from Oregon and uh, his first show, this is before he died, he had correspondence with us. Wow. He had saw Y&T at the Whiskey in 1982. He saw, and this is when they had two shows in a night. He saw both shows. Wow. And I know where he was coming from. This is 1982. The scene was really kind of really starting to build up. But before Quiet Riots, Mental Health, before all the big explosion, but that's when it was really in its, its it's kind of percolating bubble, you know, and um, McSane was out here watching Y&T, Dave Minichetti, and, and the late Leonard Hayes and that amazing drum kick wow. foot that he had, the double bass kick, you know, yeah. the single pedal. <laughs> Y&T drummer, yeah. Doing it, you know. So, yeah. Yep, yeah, so rest That's... in peace, Leonard, and, and uh, of course, Joey Alves, who, did, who passed away recently, and Phil Kenimore, who passed back in uh, 2011, so... Right on. Cool. Let's get into our chance encounters. Uh, I want to. I haven't heard this story from you, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it. The chance encounter that you mentioned to me has to do with the comedy store, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. Can you can you talk a little bit about what went on, when this went on? Um, and I have the email in front of me, and if you forgot when it when it went on, but yeah, go for it. Well, this is interesting because it was around Easter. It was Good Friday, so we're we're Mark and I are talking, and it's 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 before Easter, yeah, of uh, of 2017. But this encounter was in 1988. It was Good Friday, I believe. Oh, I know it was because my my sister came down and her husband at the time, and we kind of did like a LA excursion, you know, because they were visiting from out of town and. Uh, we did, you know, dinner and the whole bit, but it's like, okay, we're going to the comedy store. We're going to see a good comedy show. So we went down. You know where the comedy store is on Sunset Boulevard. Um, it's right by the Hilton. Right. It was right across the street from where the House of Blues resided. It okay. wasn't there at that time. It was just going way back. Uh, but there was actually a tattoo parlor that was there, too, a famous tattoo parlor. I can't think of the name, but it's, it was very popular on Sunset Boulevard. Nevertheless, uh, so we see our comedy show, and and this is right around the time when And Justice for All was being recorded in L.A. Right, so we're talking so, 1988, well, almost exactly 29 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm actually with my sister, and we're actually leaving the club. So this is like maybe 1.30. Now, let's kind of rewind back to what 1988 was on Sunset Strip. 
where the where the comedy store is, it's it's not really where the music scene is happening. So it was kind of like it, it was kind of a quiet evening. It wasn't like you know, even the comedy club was kind of it was kind of light in there. So uh, it, the comedy store is away from the whiskey and the Roxy and the Rainbow, maybe about four or five blocks away. Uh, even from Tower Records, the old good old Tower Records on uh, Sunset Boulevard. So I'm walking out. We're all walking out, and it's about two twelve thirty in the in the morning. And I see, and I turn around because I was kind of leading from my sister, my brother, and my sister, um, my sister and my brother-in-law. And I turn around, and I see Lars, I see Slash, I see Guff, I believe. Wow, and two other people, and they're just kind of huddled in this area. It's kind of like a smoking area, I guess, outside, or right. kind of just kind of a hangout area of of the comedy store. And you know, it's interesting. I know once I turn around, they knew and I knew who they were. Right, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a, they were they were kind of hiding in the sense that they, they, they knew that you had spotted them hanging out. Yes, yes, they definitely knew. I mean, I looked, I looked Lars straight in the eye, and, and just seeing them, I know they were kind of just, you know, I think the, the whole thing when I walked away from it because it was so brief. Uh, they knew I was. I had long hair at that time, so they knew I was. I was hip to what they were, and I was. They were hip to, I guess, maybe what I was. I guess the right, way I was right. dressed or how I looked. But what I walked away from that, and it was a brief maybe a minute, 30 seconds encounter. But what I walked away from it was Lars recording, a Metallica recording and Justice for All, this big record in April when the record was released was kind of after Monsters of Rock, you know, that big show that they did across the country at Van Halen. So this is kind of leading up to that. But seeing both of them, it was interesting because these, these kind of powerhouses were kind of teaming together. And, and, you know, obviously later when, you know, when the black album came out and when user illusion one and two, it seemed like the seeds were being planted even back then, right back in 88, you know, and this big monsters rock tour, another stadium tour of three years later, whenever um, that tour was the black album, 91, I guess, 92, and you know it, it it just made me think more about these alliances that were being forged, and you know I'm sure this was the beginning or right around the time when these things were being forged, you know, right. so yeah. that's kind of what I walked away from it, like okay, this is kind of this is their little their 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 forging of their forces coming together, you know, and respect mutual respect being shown and and hanging out in this you know other rock people that yeah. are on that caliber, you know? So I really appreciated kind of having that glimpse because they were out of the spotlight. They were not wanting to be discovered. They were wanting to be in their own little cocoon. So I really kind of really bustled with it for just that moment and really kind of swept through and swept out of that, of their encounter. So it was kind of, it was. It felt very good as years went by. You know how right. that was. Yeah, it's even awesome. if it being, albeit being brief. <laughs> yeah, and the comedy store, of course, is you know the one thing I know about the comedy store. Uh, you know, being a guy who's not from LA, is 
that it was very associated with the MTV personality of, of probably a few years after when, when you ran into these guys at the, cl- at the club. But uh, Pauly Shore, I believe his mm-hmm. parents opened the club, and I think his mom ended up winning the club and the divorce settlement and she ran the club. So Pauly Shore, I don't know, the yeah. weasel, remember, remember him, our younger view, our listeners probably don't remember yeah. who he was, but, uh, yeah, Missy Shore was running the place. And at any given moment, you could actually see Sam Kennison just do like a late night set, just, you know, completely coming in there and riffing and doing just a blistering set just right. out of nowhere. I mean, that, those sorts of things happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, I heard stories of Carson, you know, who at that point was at the height of his career. I mean, everyone watched Carson every, every night, you know, your grandma and, and your little brother, but it's like, you know, he, he would sometimes go in there and test out material and was frequently would, you know, be just hanging out eating or having a drink there. So, yeah amazing place so if i if i if i plan to say i'm going to hollywood i'm going to run into some rock people uh, my probably first place was i'm going to go to whiskey or i'm going right. to go to the rock rainbow yeah never in a comedy store that's just like that's like unheard of but right i think at that time lars was probably staying at the sunset marquee which is down the street from there which is kind of the rock a lot of the rock people stay there and it's tucked away from sunset boulevard and it's kind of a a little, uh, I don't know, a desert island of, of, of hanging out and not being bug type place, you know, and it's fancy and it's nice and it's got all the creature comfort. So I know he was staying there uh, when they were recording uh, and Justice for All. And and at various times I ran into Slash. He was home. I wouldn't say he's homeless, but he would stay at the Le Mondrian, which is also across the street from the comedy store, which a lot of rock people stayed there too. There, there was a lot of encounters that... Right to hang out there too, and I'd see Slash there all the time, you know. And yeah, I think that's where he was just staying, you know. <laughs> cool, cool. Let's get into a little Metallica right now off the Justice for All record. This is Harvester of Sorrow.
Little Harvester of Sorrow by Metallica. That was a song that I believe when I saw them, before that record came out, I saw them on uh, the Monsters of Rock tour, and they uh, had played that song live. And again, that was before, I believe, the album was actually released. So good stuff. I wanted to mention uh, uh, one of my, and I, you know, if you've listened to this podcast in a, for a while, you may have heard me tell this story in the past, but I was with uh, John uh, Ostrowski, uh, a.k.a. Astronomy, the guy I founded this podcast with, uh, back, it had to be, I'm guessing, 93-ish. It could have been 92. I'm not sure. But we uh-huh. were in New York City in a part of the 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 island of Manhattan called The Village, the, the, the West Village, actually, which isn't quite as hip as the East Village is. But we went into this bar that was a metal bar that we used to go to. And it was called the Scrap Bar. And it was this underground thing that would have Hell's Angels hanging out. Rob Zombies would be in there. You know, it, uh, a lot of like the Cycle Sluts from Hell, these New York sleaze rockers and metal people and rockers. Raging and, Slab, maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very possibly. Ra- ra- the Raging Slab people were a Pennsylvania band who were in New York all the oh. time. Uh, anyways, we would be hanging out there and, uh, well, this one time we were hanging out there, we walked in and who do we see at the bar? There weren't a lot of people in the bar, but Lemmy just sitting there drinking um who knows what, but uh, probably a Jack and Coke knowing <laughs> Lemmy. But we approached him and we said, you know, big fans, you know, uh, love love Motorhead and just, just complete dorky fanboys approaching him. And he was, I wouldn't say overly nice to us. He was a little guarded, you know, um, but, but he... Uh, he listened to us talk for a while and he didn't say much. And then he turned to us and said, do you guys play pinball? And we were like, Oh yeah, sure. He's like, let's, let's play pinball. And we went back and we played pinball with, with Lemmy. And then we decided it would be the, 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 the cool thing would be to buy Lemmy shots. And we said, Lemmy, what, what do you want some shots? We're going to get some shots. And I swear to God, he did not want shots of Jack Daniels. He requested shots of tequila, which we did numerous rounds with him. And, uh, it ended up being, um, for us, a, a very drunken night. I probably not at all for Lemmy because he can probably hold his liquor a lot better than us or could at that time. But, uh, you know, after the pinball game, we had some conversations. I remember talking to him about Ozzy, and I was, you know, at that time, it was right after uh, Black Sabbath with Dio. Dio split, and it was right after Halford filled in for, for, for Dio. And then at the, I think it was at the end of the show if I, if I'm not mistaken, Ozzy came out and did four songs with Sabbath and it was kind of hinted at that they were going to be reuniting. Now Dio had split the show before because he didn't, he was pissed. He was pissed that they were going to do this reunion with, with Ozzy for four songs. And they kind of had announced that Sabbath was going to do a reunion tour and then it ended up not happening. Um, and I remember asking Lemmy about that just cause it was topical at the time. And I knew he was friends with Ozzy. And I said to him, 
you know, uh, uh, I'm disappointed that they're not going to do the reunion with Ozzy because it had fell through after this four song reunion uh, that they did at the end of the the show where Rob Halford had filled in for Dio because Dio was pissed that they were going to do this thing with Ozzy. So anyways, I, I, I asked Lemmy about this and I said, uh, you know, I'm really disappointed because I've never seen Black Sabbath with with Ozzy and I, I just wish they could have gotten their act together and, and did a tour with him. And and he he stood up for his friend Ozzy Osbourne. He was like he was like, what do you mean you never saw Ozzy with Sabbath? He was like he was in that band for over ten years, and and you never you never you never went and saw them. So it's your fault. It's your fault. You, you know Ozzy shouldn't do anything. Ozzy doesn't want to do. You know, and he, he, and I didn't have the heart to tell Lemmy that I was you know eight or nine years old when Ozzy had left Black Sabbath. So <laughs> you know, but it's uh, it, it was interesting interesting to see how how devoted and uh you know uh just to some random fan that 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 lemmy went out of his way to stick up for ozzy and i always thought that was a admirable um trait and uh, it was you know and again the time i spent with lemmy that night probably i mean you know i like to think that it was all night but it probably was less than 30 minutes you know but we did we played pinball with him we drank with him had conversations with him and uh, it was it was something that i've always remembered and always cherished and it was before the days of cell phones so there was no selfies no pictures or anything like that but i i swear on my life that's that's how it went down and uh, it was fun night and awesome memory so anyways back to you carl chance encounters warrants Janie lane and a woman who i thought was just beautiful back in the day um bobby brown let's let's talk about that what's your chance encounter with these people wow uh <laughs> this was it and this was the marriage of Janie lane and bobby brown this is at the height of cherry pie, maybe right. around the height of cherry pie. It was a wedding that took place, and I can't think of the hotel. It's it's near Sunset Boulevard. Um, you had to go upstairs. Actually, it was in downstairs, but they kind of had it upstairs, the wedding itself, and then downstairs they had the reception. So we showed up for the reception, and... Work kind of mixed in with a lot of family people and music business people and some actors, I guess. I don't know if you remember Richard Greco. He was in 21 Jump Street. Vaguely. He was there. Um, I'm sure he was friends with Bobby Brown. I'm sure that's why that was the case. But I saw, um, you know, um, what's the bass player from L.A. Guns? I can't remember his name. Uh, Nichols. Nichols. What's his name? Nichols. He was hanging out. Um, so anyway, so it's a mixture of family and right. just friends and people in the business and the Warrant family guys, band, whatever. And so I actually sat down. It was my brother and I who went. And I sat down next to Bo Hill and Fiona. I don't remember Fiona. She was recording uh, with Atlantic Records. And her and Bo Hill were, were an item. I don't know how long they had been an item, but um, they were there together. I remember and, Fiona. Now, Fiona was also, I think, briefly involved. I may be wrong in this, but Bob Dylan. I think her and Bob Dylan were an item at one point. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I, we see that happening. Fiona was the, the nicest, most genuine rock girl I've ever met. Just really nice. Really. And Bo Hill was a nice guy, too. Sincere people, you know. Just right. Like, hey, how are you doing? How do you know Janie? Oh, this and that and the other thing. And and they were just, it was it was really nice, actually, to sit by them. It was by chance. I didn't, like, go, hey, there's Bo Hill. Let's sit over there. Yeah. Uh, I- I remember Fiona, I had heard her on Rockline with Bob Coburn, and that was what caused me to go buy her record. And there was a cute picture of her on the front of the record. But yeah, yeah not, not, never became a household name, but she definitely got a push from the label and, and uh, put out some good music. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of some kind of notable things. It was a typical wedding, more or less. Uh, but, you know, you got the feeling that this was kind of like a, a, a mini rock dynasty that was being built. I mean, obviously right. Bobby Brown was just the video vixen of that moment, you know, and Jenny Lane was, was the rock dude, you know, I mean, and what's, at that time, you know, yeah. Was there a lot of press yeah. there? Because I, 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 you know, worked at the, the MTV library. Um, let's see, this is what, 91. Is this when the wedding was? I'm trying <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I, I was. That was when I just started. I, I just started at MTV, and I was a tape librarian. You know, before the days of digital downloads, everything was on tape. And I specifically remember entering into our computer system the camera masters of like a camera crew that had been at the wedding, um, and there were like three or four tapes of of. Uh, shots from the wedding I, I remember i think i even had looked at the tapes a little bit i remember like bobby brown with the the bridesmaids and stuff so i, I do you remember a lot of press being there i think that was that's what i was saying that that was upstairs where the wedding was happening. right okay so we went directly downstairs for the reception we didn't even go to the, the wedding uh, gotcha uh, event so but it was just back to back you know and we just you know we're at the reception and stuff uh uh, so yeah, I, the cameras could have been there. You know what the weird thing about it was? I'm going to tell you, it just something that just came out of the blue. Okay, we're kind of in this MTV world now. I mean, that's kind of what I'm feeling when I'm at this wedding, and I'm yeah. kind of just being a voyeur more than anything else. But it seems right out of MTV, you know. Yeah. At that time, you know, if you remember MTV in 1991 or 90 it was like the you know the show Remote Control and. It was just everything yeah. was coming at you. You know, the videos were on 24 hours a day. So I, I just feel like I'm in that world at this. And I, it, the person I see who comes in a little bit later as the night progresses, he just crashes the party, is Bobby Brown, the, you know, uh, the, the urban guy. The, right, the right. The new edition guy. <laughs> right. He shows up. The my like, prerogative guy, Bobby yeah. Brown. Yeah. Yeah, my prerogative guy. And here's Bobby Brown with a couple of his bodyguards and his friends. They just come in and it's like, yeah, there's Bobby Brown, the video vixen, and Bobby Brown, the guy that's on MTV that right. every little step. Well, that's, guy. it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that because I did read Bobby Brown's book, uh, you know, the the female Bobby Brown. and And she mentions that she was friends with him. And she even claims in the book, uh, I guess, Bobby Brown's daughter that he had with Whitney Houston, who actually recently died. I I think she died after Mm -hmm. Bobby Brown's book came out. But uh, he claims that he, Bobby Brown, my prerogative, Bobby Brown, got the idea for B-O-B-B-Y 
uh, as a name for his daughter from, you know, Cherry Pie Bobby Brown. That's what she claims in her book. So, yeah, it's that's that's wild that she was at the wedding. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Great. yeah. So, could I give you any more tidbits? I'm sure a lot happened, but, um, you know, those those are the highlights, I would imagine. So. Right. No, that's great. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And w- were you a fan of Warren? Like, how, how, how into them were you? Well, I was in the music business at that at that time, so it was I a fan. I probably was not a fan in terms of maybe an Iron Maiden type fan, but I was a fan of rock music, so it was nice to be there, albeit kind of in a more of a kind of a frilly sense of a pop metal sense. I, I did enjoy it, and I do enjoy some Warren songs. I can't say I'm a super fan, but it was it was a cool encounter. It was it was something. I remember. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, Warren's interesting. They're a band that at the time I was at that time in my life, I was getting away from, from that type of vibe. I mean, I, I liked guns. I still like, you know, my, my metal like maiden and stuff, but I was definitely at that, at that time getting into other stuff like, you know, Alice in Chains and, and Soundgarden were coming out at that point. And I mean, Alice in Chains had been out a while, right? Faith No More. It was even going to bands like Fishbone and stuff. So at the time I never really embraced Warrant. I mean, I liked Uncle Tom's Cabin when I saw the video and it wasn't like I hated them, but I, I never like bought the Cherry Pie record until years later. I, I went back and I it was then I really discovered Warren. And I, I do think for, uh, you know, a commercial metal, hard rock band, whatever you want to call them, they, they really had some talent. And, uh, you know, right now I'd like to play a tune off of Cherry Pie. It's not Uncle Tom's Cabin or I Saw Red or, or Cherry Pie. Uh, it's, it's buried a little bit deeper down in the record. But this is a great song. This is called Mr. Rainmaker off of the Cherry Pie record by Warren.
What you just heard was Mr. Rainmaker by Warrant. I have been chatting with Carl Alvarez tonight, who is the producer of the Inside Metal documentary series. The next edition, Carl, is Thrash, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to feature a lot of luminaries, some people that have already kind of made an appearance in previous episodes, obviously like somebody like Lars, but we got some people that haven't surfaced uh, that will surface in episode three, talking about the thrash era. We got Rocky George, obviously, of suicidal tendencies. Oh, cool. um, uh, we have a, quite an array of different people. I, I, I mean, they're not all coming to me at the time. Bill Matoyer, the producer of those early Slayer records. Oh, nice. Talks about how the, uh, you know, the process of what how they were recording and the early Slayer days and how they were kind of these misfit guys. <laughs> That were just troublemakers, and they were having fun though, and it was they were forging uh, their their own thing, you know, and you know the beginnings of them taking over the world in terms of the whole thrash uh, thing. So, um, yeah, so it's going to offer up a lot of different um, this kind of underground thing that really hasn't been talked about in LA. Cool. Which really was kind of the early roots of of what thrash was and turned out to be for the West coast, really, yeah. if you think about it. So, uh, awesome. everything that led up to that. So, yeah, so, but it's interesting that we're talking about, we've talked about Metallica and we talked about Warren, um, somewhere along the line. I don't know if you knew this and I'm pretty sure this is cause it's come up. I remember it being talked about, but Joey Allen, the guitarist of Warren was friends with Lars at one time oh, wow. early, early before, they were, you know, they were they were kind of hanging out, um, buddies and stuff. So, um, yeah. So I, I can't offer up more how that turned out and why that was, or if no, it was interesting just a brief kind of friendship. But you know, there you go. Yeah, good stuff, Carl. Thanks as always for joining us. We're going to have you back again uh, in a month or so. And, and at that that time, I want to talk to you about the club days and some of the, the bands that you saw before they broke in the clubs. And then I will um, talk about club shows and, and some of the bands I remember seeing before they they exploded, which probably won't compare to, to, to your list. But um, it'll be a fun chat, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. And in the meantime, everyone needs to go watch Inside Metal, the first two episodes are out, and they're they're a great history lesson that I believe everyone here listen, who listens to this show would uh, really get a kick out of. So, Carl, thanks thanks again. What should we close out today's episode with? Any uh, any songs we can play for the Talking Metal listeners? Well, I kind of think uh, uh, my mind has been going to Sunset Boulevard and this nineteen eighty eight vibe. Could you pull out L.A. Guns Sex Action? Oh, of course, of course. We'll we'll close That's the show kind of with that. Live on kind of feeling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool, and we'll have links up in today's show notes for the Inside Metal documentary series, which Carl uh, produced and or is one of the producers on. And we'll also have your Twitter handle and all that good stuff on the show notes in today's uh you know episode you go to talkingmetal.com you go to the talking metal section and you'll you'll find all that stuff there and we also guys we post news now on talkingmetal.com 
it's, I wouldn't call it breaking news cause we can't compete with blabbermouth. You know, we, we work day jobs and stuff, but we do get, uh, news stories and we try to add, uh, opinions and personalities to those stories. We have a bunch of writers now on board with us and, and, uh, these guys, I, I, I really enjoy reading their stuff and I, I would love it if you guys went over to the site and checked out our news section. We also do an on this day section where we mention historic rock and metal events that happened on on that particular day years before. So check it out, TalkingMetal.com. Check out Inside Metal, the documentary. And uh, this is a little L.A. Guns here on Talking Metal. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you soon.